This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com Young girls and young women are seized into a type of slavery. We call it human trafficking. Human trafficking is Don't now think too much about the it. fastest growing criminal industry in the world. I don't even like calling it human trafficking. I like calling it little kids are being raped repeatedly right now. And that should break our hearts. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and uh, this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokutlela. Hi, Gary, and hi to our podcasters. I'm actually a bit disturbed by the introduction of today's topic, so hence the little pause there. Yeah, it is disturbing, isn't it? Extremely. Um, your lines, uh, every year thousands of men, women, and children worldwide are tricked, kidnapped, forced, sold, and ultimately used and abused. By the hideous people known as human traffickers. It's quite an, a sad reality, but it's something that we need to really talk about just so that our podcasters can actually be aware of it and do something about it. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, Lyons, uh, South Africa is also a great source and transit and destination country for human trafficking, very mm. sadly so. And we have a severe problem here at home, something that must be addressed with all our might. Certainly, we need to really stand together and united in this case, just so that we can really try and protect the young and the vulnerable people in our communities, just so that this becomes a something that stops right now. Yeah, joining us to explain the extent of the crisis in South Africa and what we are doing to combat this curse is a man who spent more than 15 years dedicating his time and his life, really, to researching the crime and uh, the impact it has on and in South Africa. A very big warm welcome to you, Marcel van der Watt. Good afternoon, Gary and Lionel and the listeners. Thank you, Paya. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to introduce Marcel a little more in a little more detail a yes. little later, Lines. Lines, it's this week that the world commemorates the World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. In mm. fact, it was yesterday. Yeah. And uh, it's a United Nations event organized to raise awareness and encourage vigilance and gain support for prevention of human trafficking. It's a really serious uh, crime indeed, Gary. And I would really urge our podcasters or our listeners to really share uh, to many of the uh, relatives as possible with regard to, the, uh, to this podcast, just so that they are becoming quite aware and also just know what to do in the event that one of the uh, children or their relative become a prey to uh, to this. Absolutely, Lions. We at Cliff Central are proud to play our role in this by presenting this very show. Certainly. And it's our prayer at Cliff Central that the exploitation and the vulnerable, especially our children, and all this is brought to a stop. Certainly. Our partner today, Legal Talk South Africa, with its massive and powerful membership, they're going to put this up on their Facebook page, and uh, we welcome that and we thank them for that. Ray Green. Certainly. Lines our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. 
And our Twitter handle is at Hetzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. You can always just uh, drop us a mail or a line just to simply tell us what is it that you'd like us to talk about. We'll find a specialist who can break down the subject for you just so that you get to understand it from the basic of all knowledge. Our guest today, Marcel van Avat, has gained international recognition for his work in counter-human trafficking mm. to counter it. He participates on provincial and national human trafficking task teams in South Africa. He lectures as well at UNISA's Department of Police Practice and he's recently uh, completed a PhD. Wow. Wow, that's great. On the great. issue of human trafficking. We are going to call him doctor. Yeah. It's coming up soon. <laughs> Welcome again to you, doctor. Well, not quite. Marcel van Avat. Thanks, guys. Uh, Marcel, maybe you can tell us about some of the awards that you've received on the subject and tell us a bit about your law enforcement and investigative background. Mm. Well, thanks again, guys. Yeah, it's an absolute uh, pleasure and a privilege. And Cliff Central, thank you guys for ventilating this issue. We're not talking about it enough. A lot of complexities to it. But, uh, yeah, my background started in 2002 as a, as a member of the Paul Elizabeth Flying Squad. And uh, back then, South Africa has not yet ratified international uh, legislation. So back then, human trafficking was on nobody's lips. And uh, I experienced it firsthand in the sex trade with women working on the street. Um, obviously, not all of them being victims of human trafficking. That's where the contentious issue of agency comes in. Mm. But uh, many of the women, so back then, you know, uh, we generated statistics. So one of your instructions was when the priority crimes are not coming in, you drive around with a truck and you pick up women you know mm. um and yeah once you detained a lot of these ladies at the police station you would then hear the stories and the pleats but i don't really want to be here you know i came from kimberley or pretoria or johannesburg mm. so that's where it started 2006 with the child protection unit and then 2008 i joined the hawks um to investigate projects on human trafficking um more specifically organized crime nationally and um yeah, that's that's where it started, and yeah, uh, yeah the well, the awards and the recognition basically came with kind of unconcealing uh, a lot of the the issues related to human trafficking, and uh, yeah, I think um, Marcel, you've said that there's a misconception, a common misconception prevailing in South Africa that human trafficking is about sex trafficking only, and that's not true. Mm. What what? Can you tell us about the various forms of trafficking? Okay, sure. Well, I mean, that's an important issue. Uh, various forms. So there's, uh, d d just, just on the definition, basically, I'm really going to oversimplify it, but there's a recruitment phase where somebody is recruited and then there's a means. So people recruit people and before they exploit them, there's either force, deception, the abuse of vulnerability, um, partial deceit, full deceit that happens and then people are exploited. And the act is very clear for any form or manner of exploitation. So the act basically refers to a couple, which includes domestic servitude, labor, sexual um, exploitation, which is typically known as sex trafficking, uh, organs and body parts. And those are but a small number of forms uh, for which people are exploited. And definitely not just sex trafficking. I would argue that the overwhelming majority majority of trafficking victims in South Africa, however they may not have been identified yet, is in the labor market, an informal labor market, yeah. Mm, that's wow. interesting, isn't yeah, it, right? That's very interesting. Let's talk about um, the international syndicates that are reported to operate in South Africa with, with absolute disregard and impunity. Who are these syndicates? 
I just have to point out, I'm after the show, I'm going to the, the Pretoria High Court, and it's probably one of the first cases where there's quite a large number of people arraigned before the court. Five, I think it's five or six guys. There, there's a mixture of uh, local West African-Nigerian um, nationals with local African-speaking uh, males involved in that syndicate, but the report, and from my own experience, um, West African syndicates, uh, Nigerian, Chinese, Thai, Russian, Bulgarian... Um, they all operate pretty much, um, obviously, you know, the, the elements of, of the definition of the crime, that's how they basically do it. But with this kind of, when we're talking about a syndicate, I think that's just important to clarify that. I would argue that these syndicates are loosely connected and they function on a convenient relationships you know today i use you tomorrow i don't you know mm, mm. and that is what makes it so difficult to pin these guys down but they are operating with uh, quite a, a a large uh, extent of of impunity sadly let's talk about something that that really offends us greatly and as a as a father of a young ki- a mm. child child trafficking and children in sex trade What's the, your ongoing experience in, in court cases? What's mm. going on out there? Mm. Now, just be, just to preface that, Gary, child trafficking in South Africa is another convoluted, highly politicized issue, okay? And there's reasons for that. We may deconstruct that later on. But, you know, in the early years running up to the, to the World Cup, you know, a lot of NGOs and so-called abolitionists has cited statistics for arguments like 30,000 children being trafficked in and out of South Africa annually. Mm-hmm. Nowhere was empirical evidence uh, confirming or corroborating that. And that number went up to 40,000 and later that even escalated so the problem it's highly politicized because it only because it also interweaves with uh, ongoing legislative issues around decriminalization of sex work and whether um, child trafficking really is a problem so that's part of that but the child trafficking is an absolute absolute reality in South Africa in many ways systemic and I think our structural inequalities in South Africa allows human trafficking to seamlessly embed itself and we often see people exploited and Sadly, many people um, turn 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 their eyes away and they don't engage with it. But in the sex trade, um, we're increasingly seeing social media. Um, we even have, in some of the cases that I'm involved with, uh, children, um, sex trafficking children, uh, you know, um, uploaded on online adult sex websites, which some of them. Advertise on our lamppost You drive past some of them mm. We're not going to go into the names now But we know who those are It's well documented uh, So what happens are Some of these children are recruited um, Just to kind of clarify A child is any person under the age of 18 And um, yeah Very often drugs is, is involved in that And um, you know The pimp, the trafficker Summons as a photographer Of one of these mainline websites to come Photographs are being taken And those photos are uploaded You will never see the photos of the child which will obviously compound um, the, the business principles of how these guys operate but there's a market for it and that's a sad thing you know human trafficking for sex and labor is enabled by demand wow. so sorry how do they actually recruit the I know you've kind of alluded to it mm. how do they recruit these these young women 
Mm. And and I guess boys as well. Yeah, sure. Um, do they pay their parents, or is there is there money? Well, there's definitely. I mean, there's a there's a there's a variety of ways in which which uh, which children are uh, recruited and eventually exploited. But once again, coming back to the structural inequalities, a lot of these many children, um, you know, get addicted sadly to drugs at a very young age. There's mm. social media. Mm. A few months ago, I had one case for argument's sake. It was during the school holidays. I think it was September, October last year. Two girls being looked after by the granny and they literally Googled how do we make money? So they Googled how to make money. They came up to a cell phone number which linked them to a gentleman in Hillbrow. They phoned the guy, said, you know, we'll just come to Hillbrow, I'll make you rich. Something mm. as as simple as that. Mm. Many children disappear in communities and they're not even reported missing by family members. Yeah. So there's a lot of problems with regards to data capturing and um, getting empirical evidence for how big this problem is. But if you consider all the structural issues and systems and administration that's lacking, you know, once you understand the whole of that, you realize how vulnerable our communities are in the country. Wow. Uh, sorry, just uh, on this ch- uh, children uh, trafficking, are these ch- uh, what sort of background are these children who actually fall prey to this sort of uh, syndicates uh, come from? Well, you know what, uh, Lionel, you know, obviously there's predisposing uh, 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 factors, right? So if we're talking about poverty, lack of education, um, you know, the, the, the addiction to dependence-producing substances, stick, drugs, those things obviously predisposes children or any adult person for the matter of fact. But, you know, I always like to refer to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So those who might not know it, there's five layers. Right at the bottom layer, it's the need for physio- physiological needs, you know, warmth food, water, right on top is the need for self-actualization. That's where me, you, and many of our listeners might fall prey. So all of us can be vulnerable in one way or the other. Mm. I had victims. One of the victims that I had, I had two victims, of sex trafficking victims, who were social workers. The other one was married to policemen. Mm. So those are typically people that you will not imagine could possibly have fallen prey to this issue. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well... I've I've got a problem. Sorry, I'm digressing slightly. Personally, I have a problem with the unabridged birth certificates, and a a lot of Mm. people do, and a lot of tourists have been turned away, and our industry has been affected by it. The you you have to, if you're bringing a child without both parents, I think Mm. you have to produce an unabridged birth certificate Mm. at border control. Mm. Has this? Been brought in in order to curb or stop trafficking, or has it got absolutely nothing to do with it? Well, the first thing that I'm going to say, once again, acknowledging that that in itself is a very, very contentious issue. However, the minister, um, ill-advised, I would argue, uh, quoted, he regurgitated the 30,000 children being trafficked annually, for for which there's no evidence. Mm. Um, so, whether that was the sincere uh, intention of the unabridged birth certificate. Whether there was some other agenda behind it, I can't comment on that. However, I would argue, I would, I would state this unequivocally that in 2015, when this was introduced, within the first seven days, we reported on the different task teams that there were four children uh, and and 
parents, quote unquote, or, or adults stopped at ports of entry, which according to the law enforcement officials and people that assessed the situation argued that these children would most probably have been trafficked. And we're talking about four in the first week. I think mm. there was one in Cape Town and the rest was up here in Gauteng. So the problem is now the media reports on this and I mean everybody lambastes the, 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 the home affairs strategy and I uh, understand the lack of empirical evidence on which it was based. But then you in Inform them, but listen, we had recent incidents, and sadly, those the fullness of the story is often, uh, uh, you know, not reported on. But um, complex, complex scenario. Absolutely, oh. Marcel, you've you've been, uh, or may I say that of the many papers you've written, and you've written tons of them, mm. one of the papers you write about, you talk of juju, j u j u rituals. Mm. What is that? Okay, so the first time I heard the term uh, juju, now we're not talking about our beloved politician here, <laughs> but the first time I heard the term juju was, again, back in 2002, driving in a police van, police, a flying squad uh, car, and, um, uh, you know, wh- the girls again, con- concealing, sir, but, you know, I don't want to be in this, in this job. So, well, just leave it, go back home. No, but but there's juju that's been used on me. Some would re- refer to the term juju, others won't. Mm-hmm. So just in a nutshell, um, juju is for um, Ni- Ni- Nigerian, especially let's talk about the criminal element or the West African uh, element, like muti is for local uh, belief systems. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a general um, ab- agreement amongst both the Nigerian criminal population and locals that juju is stronger than muti. So many may know what muti is used for. Um, you know, it could be used for the good, the bad, and the ugly. The same thing with juju. So what happens is, um, you know, these the, the the criminal elements in these Nigerian networks are very good at uh, identifying a vulnerability and the vulnerabilities that underpins the use or whether juju is going to be used as a way to control is superstition. Um, cultural uh, belief systems and um, yeah, animist belief systems, so to speak. So mm-hmm. basically, I would then tell you, um, you know, there's this ritual, and the, the purpose of the ritual is in communicating to the victim, this is going to protect you. So there's a ritual, you know, candles, um, sometimes the, the the drinking of blood, the incisions being made, uh, a suit that's been um, a, 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 a lumped together, made up of uh, menstrual blood, nail clippings, pubic hair. These are put into a concoction And um, that concoction Is in basically And this is one of many ways in which this can happen Is in rubbed into the wounds Um, Sorry the wounds are after the the little girl Or the young woman has been cut Cut yeah so it's not just children right I mean this happens to adults as well So small incisions it's not It's Sometimes you can barely see it with the naked eye Mm. But small incisions being made The suit with you know comprises of all these elements Being rubbed in And the person or the victim then made to believe that the spirit is in you So I don't have to lock you up I don't have to threaten you You have been warned That should you disclose to the police What is happening to you That something very bad will happen to you You know, you will lose your child You would lose your mother wow. So, and, and so basically what these guys are doing They tap into the primal belief systems Of people And, um, and, and that's a form of control That almost far outweighs Any physical measure of restraint Because mm. it's a belief system And there's also a psychological dimension So for all, I'm going to use one last example So somebody would die on the street Maybe there's another victim Or a person is run over by a car 
Then the story starts spreading by these syndicate members that, you know, so-and-so and so she tried to run away. She took the juju oath. She died because she disclosed. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's reinforced and how this belief in the juju um, is That originates is from Nigeria? So, yeah, specifically West Africa, Nigeria, Benin. Have you heard of this, Lloyd? Yes, no, I have. Because yeah. uh, what it normally... Because, oh, by the way, I lived in a place where there used to be prostitution. So there were quite a lot of drug dealings also taking place. However, what actually happens is that the indoctrination, it works in a very funny way in a sense that people can actually leave the property, but at a specific time they will come back for whatever, uh, sh- whether for a short or whatever rituals they actually have to do. So that is just basically how that indoctrination affects the psychological thinking of a person. And it's quite sad to see the powerlessness of these people actually being controlled by something that is actually not by a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's widespread. I mean, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the judges for, for victims that are, that are trafficked to the UK, to Spain, to Italy. Uh, the juju rituals are actually being conducted in Nigeria. So the juju priests, the oaths are taken. They then go over to where the UK, Spain, Italy, and there the juju rituals often repeated. And sadly, the, the West refers to this as voodoo rituals. Even in our local tip report, uh, trafficking report, it's referred to as voodoo. And that's not entirely the, the, the accurate description of it, mm. but it's, it's rife. It's, it's being used and many people fall prey and believe in this. And that's another issue that's that's challenging the courts. So the defense wants to know, so why did you not run away? You weren't shackled. The door weren't yeah, locked. Absolutely, yeah. Why didn't you run away? And yeah. another thing, what yeah. happens to anybody that's sexually assaulted? Mm. She goes to a medical practitioner. What happens during, during the medical examination? A J88 form is completed. Vaginal swabs are taken. Nail clippings are often scraped. And pubic hair samples are taken, which almost is a mirror reflection of the juju ritual. So you understand how this plays into the hands mm-hmm. of traffickers. And, um, yeah. So the, the defense has a, has a, has a great case. It says to the, to the woman, why didn't you run away? Mm. And she can't really explain it. Then again, once yeah. she even refers to the juju, yeah. she might quote unquote, Fall ill and die right in the dock Mm. So it's multiple complexities There was a case in Johannesburg Where juju rituals was performed on a 15 year old girl Also a a Nigerian accused before the court The issue of juju never came out During the entire trial However when the judge said Guilty The girl kind of just basically In the aisles, in the corridors of the court Ran to the prosecutor and told her what happened to her Mm. So basically Mm. the fact that the accused Was found guilty kind of confirmed to her That this was all a lie. Mm-hmm. There's no power in this juju, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very complex. And, uh, yeah. But how do we then work with the psychology, uh, the, the psychology of the mind of the victims just so that they get to see mm. the, the light at the end of the tunnel? Because I believe that the storm, when you are in the mm. middle of the storm, you don't necessarily see it. Mm. The first thing is you validate. Okay. You validate and say, you know, I believe that for you this is real. Mm-hmm. And I think then there's a process where you assess what the psychosocial needs of, of the victim uh, is. Uh, and I mean, those are multiple ways of, of determining that. But there's obviously some, some form of, of spiritual counseling and, um, uh, you know, that needs to take place and, uh, you know, quite intense uh, psychosocial interventions. You talk of uh, trafficking. Is um, is it very prevalent that a lot of our children and women are being trafficked overseas, or is it mainly trafficked within South Africa? Yeah. 
to a lesser extent um, is South Africa. So we are source country destination uh, and, and a transit country, but to a lesser extent, we do have uh, people um, that that are recruited. We have um, reports of uh, Europe, Asia, uh, Malta, Mauritius. Um, and, uh, yeah, from, from my own, um, research, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's con- confirmed. I had the recent case that I, uh, that I testified in, in the Johannesburg High Court, um, the, the victim overheard, um, whilst the two accused persons were, were speaking that they were planning to sell her for 50,000 rands, probably about 4,000 US to somebody in the States. So they made plans to, to, to send her over to the US. One of my first missing persons cases linked to uh, trafficking. Um, the last information I received is that the the, the girl was was trafficked to to Nigeria. Mm. So uh, then there's also the issue of uh, the drug trade, you know, drug smuggling, where people are recruited and almost coerced and manipulated into taking drugs. Or sometimes they know they're carrying drugs, sometimes they don't, but they end up in international prisons. Mm. So um, and yeah. What age are these of these women or girls? Well, you know, I mean, you know, it all when we're talking about uh, trafficking in general, what what age are the victims? Well, the ones that were going to be shipped over to the U.S. Uh, well, this one was 19 years old. That's, I'm now referring specifically to the previous case. She was a 19 year old uh, Afrikaans colored girl from um, from Kimberley. Mm-hmm. And um, this, yeah, this is what what they planned uh, to do with her. Uh, I had a case about four years ago where a very very well known South African celebrity, I'm not going to say more than that, were were duped into um, into a modelling contract, and she plane tickets was booked to go to the UAE, mm-hmm. and um, she reached out to me through the work of the National Freedom Network. We checked it, and it was uh, it was a West African syndicate, and she was most probably. Going to be uh, be trafficked. So um, once again, the vulnerability element is permeates through all of us. Mm. How many South Africans are overseas having been trafficked? Have you got any idea? Of no, 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 no indication. I mean, globally, the issue of statistics is is very is very very complex, and the methodologies are frequently critiqued. Mm. So we don't know. I mean, you know, even anywhere in the world, can we accurately say how many people are trafficked? You must understand, human trafficking is a hidden crime. It's a subversive mm. crime, and it doesn't lend itself to being counted and quantified. And I think I often tell people that statistics gives us the illusion of control. Statistics mm. really doesn't tell you much if you consider a country like South Africa um, you need to understand the backstory behind every statistic and I can I can share an example of that but uh, yeah if you open the uh, newspapers if you look on the net you see a lot of slavery mm. articles Tell us about what's going on there. What is slavery yeah. in today's modern times? Does it exist? Yeah, slavery is a very, very emotive uh, language. And there's still active legislation um, in South Africa where you could prosecute a person uh, for when exploitation or uh, in, a, in a position or condition of slavery, um, uh, you know, was was used. But, but slavery pretty much, um, like the UK's Modern Slavery Act, they refer to it as... 
as modern slavery. They didn't refer to human trafficking. I think slavery kind of brings up a lot of thoughts, you know, dating back to the to the 1800s, 1900s. But fundamentally, at its essence, we are really speaking about the same issue. And I think what we need to understand is that human trafficking has been there time immemorial. It's been there, I mean, we often speak about Sarki Bartman as being one of the first documented cases of, of human trafficking. We need to acknowledge our history in South Africa, you know, inequality, racism, stuff that persists. And, um, I mean, human trafficking has obviously happened in masses probably in the past hundred years. And sadly, today people are waking up and they are speaking about human trafficking, modern slavery, as if it never occurred to them that it ever happened. Mm. It's always been there. It's one person subjugated, subjugating another for the purpose of um, its greed, fundamentally perpetuated by greed, yeah. Is the word slavery just used because it, it creates emotion or is are, are people actually slaves of another? Well, if you look at, at what actually happens, slavery is very much, in many of these situations, a very, very accurate description. Sadly, however, I mentioned the, the, the sensation around slavery, how you do have NGOs and abolitionists and activists, and there's always a, a monetary incentive that often goes along with Combating slavery, you know. So, you know, that's the politics of human trafficking, which we probably won't go into here. But definitely, I mean, you know, I've had situations where, where, uh, where people were literally, uh, chained up in my study. It came out and I know personally of situations that I've dealt with in my study, tooth being pulled, you know, legs broken, um, irons being used. Um, it's, it's, it's horrific. Um, that's how we get Lionel here. I think we got to. Drag him in and and put irons onto him. No, not quite. Lance. Not quite. No. But it just sounds yeah. so uh, serious in a sense that uh, what you are actually painting—it's the same picture that we tend to see in most broken homes, where mm. the woman is actually being slaved every single day, chained in the house, being beaten, but she cannot do anything because she's got children with mm. this man. Mm. So. Uh, for me, it plays a critical uh, scenario, especially mm. from a black community, because mm. we are seeing this quite a lot of time, but we didn't know what to actually label it. Mm. But now today we've got labels to simply say that slavery or abuse or anything of that mm. nature. So how can we as um, the youth of today play a critical role in terms of create, creating awareness in this sort of area just so that people become empowered? And what sort of uh, help can they go for? If then we are seeing such a, 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 a phenomenon. And can I take that question sure. one step further? If anyone believes or they have a suspicion that there's human trafficking or they could be a victim themselves, there's a, an organization called National Freedom Network that I think you're attached to in some mm. way. Tell us more about that and sure. how people can get help. There are a lot of yeah. girls and guys out there that need help. Is this where they turn? Sure, sure. So I'm just going to quickly go back to Lionel's first point. I think it's always, because this, this issue of human trafficking is highly emotive and very politicized and very convoluted, also be careful not to conflate issues. So the situa it's a situation where a, a woman is in a house with her children, with a husband, being quote-unquote enslaved might not necessarily be a case of human trafficking. That needs to be deconstructed. Mm -hmm. But you're right, the issue of subjugation, 
segregation where women and children really becomes commodities and not just in that situation, but where the commodification spills over into other criminal economies. Um, But uh, yeah, creating awareness, um, Lionel, uh, you know, we have a, a, a national resource number. It's 0800-222-777. So people seeing anything in the community, people being abused, a brothel, um, you know, any form or manner of exploitation, please call that number. I usually get involved where there's level three, four, five organized crime syndicates. I like to obtain the statements. I like to get involved in that capacity. If it's more serious, more convoluted. But yeah, the National Freedom Network, I do case management for the National Freedom Network. So it's an NGO that's almost like the umbrella, um, uh, for a b- umbrella term for uh, hundreds really of stakeholders and NGOs working in this field. And our purpose really is to make sure that everybody's connected to each other, that we know who's offering what services mm-hmm. and that should there be a crisis situation, we are able to intervene and connect people to different role play stakeholders and resources. Excellent. excellent. National Emergency Helpline 0800 777. That's it. Yeah. Uh, 24-7 they're yes, open absolutely. You can get someone there all the time Absolutely, um, they're doing a great job So yeah. g- just give us some more pointers If you f- if you believe what who, that, When should you call this Yeah. Number? Well, you know, I always use the example of a deer in the wild You know, if, it, mm. if, if there's a deer in the wild You know, imagine the, the Kruger Park And if a deer smells a lion, what does a lion do? Mm. Uh, what does a deer do? Sorry, the deer runs away You know, and I think us as human beings We often smell a lion, but we negotiate with it You know, am I see? Is this really? what it is could this be you know if you do have a hunch of any form or possible form or manner of exploitation happening to individual groups of individuals uh, please please call that number you know often you know we have great cases in the courts and convictions where simply it was the public who saw well there's this big house or there's a flat in my neighborhood and there's a lot of cars stopping there throughout the day one one day I saw there was a child in the in the window she briefly came out she went back in it's mm. just suspicious, you know. Mm. Intuitively, it doesn't make sense. Phone the resource Lollipop line. Lollipop lounges in some of the t- uh, areas. Yeah, lolly lounges. Lolly yeah. lounges. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's obviously the intersection of drugs and, um, you know, commercial sexual exploitation of children, which, in, you know, comes down to trafficking in many ways. Mm. We we don't have a or, or should I say it this way we have a handful of skilled and dedicated social workers, mm. uh, prosecutors and police investigators. Do we have enough and uh, can we sustain? Can we are we strong enough to mm. fight the corrupt elements that are out there? Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple of responses. The first thing is to is to echo absolutely what you say. The people that I'm working with in the field, uh, Lionel and Gary, I'm uh, you know so inspired and encouraged by their dedication. I mean, two weeks ago I had a consultation session with two prosecutors. Eight. Half past eight in the evening. You're very you know? welcome to mention names if you if, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, and and yeah. So the prosecutors, police officials, social workers, absolutely dedicated. Um, capacity, resources, a major challenge, and they are far too few who are tackling this 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 major issue. Is it sustainable? Absolutely not. You know, we need to. I'm a firm believer that we need dedicated and specialized capacity, similar model to the Scorpions, um, to fight this issue. So, human trafficking is not just a crime; it's an organized crime. Mm. Human trafficking goes along with drugs, weapons, um, uh, a host of other issues. So, you need specialized investigation. 
investigators and prosecutors functioning together in a multi and interdisciplinary team. Is that happening at the moment? No, it's not happening Is at the any, moment. Is there any way the public can help uh, reservists, things like that, or are they not qualified sufficiently? Yeah, well, I think the public can make contact with the National Freedom Network. You know, if mm. you want to become a partner, your organization, whether it's a corporate company that wants training on what human trafficking is and issues of supply chain. You know, some of our supply chains are compromised, you know. <laughs> Do you know where this handbag that you're buying in the corner of Jorison Street comes from? You know, mm. who mm. designed it? Who p- put it together? The same with clothing and shoes. Mm. Often we have corporate supply chains that are that are compromised. And so we need to understand fair trade and how we are often indirectly or sometimes directly complicit in the abuse. Yeah. South Africa has apparently been downgraded, I read very recently, mm. for failing to combat human trafficking satisfactorily. Is that correct? And where are we going wrong? Well, the major thing there, uh, the, the major the issue there, well, look, there's a host of issues that's uh, addressed and uh, critique that is leveled against the country. But I think the tipping point was the lack of government investment mm. in operationalizing the act. No money to operationalize the act. So that means, in effect, government funding needed to train frontline officials to create awareness, creates the skill sets to, 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 um, to address this issue. Um, because yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you don't want a, a, a paper tiger that's, that's gonna, uh, not really gonna you know, be able to buy. So we need to put the money in there. And I think coming back to your question, that was probably the, one of the most serious, uh, tipping point reasons as to why we were downgraded. To a watch list, yeah. Mm. There are a lot of uh, children that seem to go missing. It's all you, you always see it. Uh, mm. This little kid on Facebook is missing. And is this anything to do with trafficking or is it some other? Mm. Terrible crime yeah. happening. Look, there's always a reason. People don't just go, there's always a reason why people go missing, you know? Mm. So, and I think we are far, far too quick to say, oh, well, it's a, it's a problem child, you know? Mm. Some people deliberately go missing. You've got some people who actually want to just take a break of life. They don't tell anybody. They just disappear. Mm. You know, then there's health reasons, you know, Alzheimer's, somebody falls ill, there's accidents. There's very, number of reasons. But with, with regards to the, the interconnection with, with, with human trafficking, I think we need to start reconfiguring our lens through which we look at missing persons and missing children. Because, um, yeah, very seldom there, there might very well be a nexus bet- bet- between the two. I mean, I'm going to use uh, one example. I mean, I just, I've earlier referred to the fact that some parents don't even report their children missing. The, the one case we had a few years back was a mom and a boyfriend that uh, uh, reported uh, the mom's child missing. And when the police went to look for the child, they found a child a couple of kilometers away living in a tent with eight other children. And they said, well, your mom is looking for you. So now my mom knows exactly where I am. The only reason it was found out at the end she reported the child missing was because they chased the child away mm-hmm. and uh, family members were starting questioning, but, you know, where's the child? So missing persons and the reporting mechanisms, it's complex uh, mm-hmm. and um just for the listeners out there, if you feel that somebody is missing or that something is out of character, report them missing. There's no such thing as a 24-hour rule, and that's an important issue that needs to be reinforced. Sorry, yeah. repeat that because people think you, that a kid's got to be missing. I think we see it. In, not. We see it on TV. You no, wait 24 hours. Absolutely no? not. No, you, you, you report them missing. Where do you go? Where do you go? Well, you usually go in, within the the, the station, the, office, yeah. the station area, mm. and please, if you. 
you if you get any people showing your way or not taking your case, mm. please make sure that you get the the rank, uh, name, surname of of the official, ideally a personal number as well. And um, yeah, please share my details. I'll be more than willing to help where I can, and we can follow up on those issues. Excellent. Let's talk a little law. We are a law show. We have this law called uh, Prevention and Combating of Trafficking in Persons. There is a law. Absolutely. It yeah. came in in when. 2013, somewhere around well, there. Well, yeah, yeah, and it was operationalized on the 9th of August 2015. Mm. And uh, I would argue it's probably one of the best piece of legislation in the world. But does anyone ever get convicted? <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, really? We are seeing an increasing number of cases being uh, convicted. Once again, too few people working on these cases. But, yes, mm. we're getting convictions on the previous piece of legislation. Um, that's That was under the Sexual Offences Act 32 of 2007. We recently had on appeal uh, the, 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 the conviction and the, the sentencing was uh, was confirmed. The one life sentence, the, the one of uh, Mabuza, the Mabuza matters, also Mozambican mm. children, eight life sentences. So, um, What were the facts of that case? Um, well, he had a, he had somebody that worked for him, um, and, uh, there was also relation, relational issues there, and she basically recruited children from Mozambique. Um, they were kept in sordid, literally slave-like conditions, and, um, yeah, they were exploited. For wow. sex right. or for labor? Sex, sex. That really? was, that wow. was sex. So the problem, the challenge with us currently, and that's where we need to increase our focus and energy, mm. is on identifying the case of labor trafficking, and there's more than enough Evidence suggesting that we have problems in that sphere. I can use one example of illegal mining. Um, I saw an informant um, uh, two months ago, um, and I drove from Centurion. I met him in Orange Farm, and this guy was part of a syndicate that was trafficking men from Mozambique into the Vol area, Vol and the the Valcom area. And um, you know, he said, you know, we bring in um, average of forty five males per week, aged between fifteen and twenty four. Oh. These guys come in. And uh, they, you know, they come to do mining, you know, it's, uh, but not knowing. Zamazamas, I think. Zamazamas, yeah. So they go into these illegal mines. Many of them commit suicide. Well, according to the, the informant, many of them either commit suicide or they are murdered because they become obstinate. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just, uh, you know, they just uh, die because of injuries. And, um, yeah, according to this guy, at least about two million rand cash that's taken out of the country wow. every Sunday. So it's, it's rife. But yeah. What sort of support, mental support is there for uh, survivors of this, uh, of victims in this sort yeah. of uh, cases? Yeah. So, so these, these, you know, these uh, psychosocial support, dedicated capacity within so, uh, the part of social work, uh, so, uh, social development that, that deals with victims of trafficking. There are shelters, um, you know, taking care of the, the psychosocial and the trauma issues. Um, yeah. And do they become fully functional human beings after that? Or you know, do they constantly I, need support? Lionel, you know what? I don't have many examples, unfortunately, of people that's gone through the entire process of healing. There are victims and survivors, rather, of human trafficking that does a lot of public speaking and engaging on the issue. But um, sadly, you know, people are scarred for a very long time, many of them for life. So, uh, yeah. If, yeah, if you want to read up on the subject, uh, Marcel Fanavat has written some amazing work. It's mostly on the net. You can pick mm. it up. Just uh, Google Marcel. Um, it's good stuff, Marcel. I've spent many hours reading this, and I found it so interesting. Things like uh, there's organizations, I think, in Somalia that are using uh, uh, 
people for for um, mm. terror terror work. Mm. Yeah, and they've they've uh, trafficked them as well. What's that all about? Well, those yeah. are smuggling cum trafficking networks. So mm. we have people uh, smuggling smuggling um, Somalian and Eritrean nationals through our borders. Lots of corruption at the borders, well documented. Um, so you have these guys coming from Somalia. Some of them from Eritrea as well, and um, the information and the intelligence suggests that uh, that the financial beneficiaries of these smuggling operations are organisations like Al Shabaab. Mm. So, so in effect, what we could argue is that these smuggling trafficking operations happening from other parts of Africa. Into our country Where financial beneficiaries are terrorist organizations And that's a significant thing that needs to be mm. uh, Understood, deconstructed um, And addressed So you need to also understand There's a very big Well, there's a difference between smuggling and trafficking In a nutshell, smuggling is a voluntary agreement Between a person that wants to enter a country illegally With, with a smuggler uh, Whereas trafficking is directed against a person Smuggling di- di- directed against it, It's a crime against a state mm. However, people generally being smuggled are all vulnerable to trafficking and many smuggling situations doesn't stop with smuggling. Um, it kind of morphs into trafficking as How well. How do they get these people across the border, say from Mozambique? Is it under the fence or is it? Well, yeah, it's uh, you know what, uh, Gary. There's you know the, you know it all depends on what uh, a pipeline of contacts these guys use. I mean, if mm. you know somebody at the border, the the entry, um, you know, it's it's you know it's it seamless. You can get somebody through the country, but there's many ways. You know, through through the fences, um, the um, uh, you know, they, well, yeah. So, so there's many ways many through ways, which yeah. they they get into the country. Yeah. There's a, there's a book out in the UK. I don't know whether you've seen it. It's uh, read it. It's called Unthinkable. Mm. It's a scandal of Britain's trafficked children, mm. and uh, it happened in 2012 when a gang of nine men were convicted. Mm. I don't know if you've read it. If our I listeners want to pick it up, I haven't read it's it, called yeah. Unthinkable. Very interesting. Yeah. In and the a, UK, yeah. Another thing that I would love to hear from your visitors, a lot of, sorry, visitors, your listeners, mm. uh, you know, the issue of adoption irregularities. There is compromised practices happening on adoption system as well. You know, allegations of cases and f- uh, 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 um, details being fabricated against family, children being confiscated or removed from family and, and then eventually ending up in, in the adoption system. Mm. Adoption agencies making millions of rands because of uh, irregular uh, uh, adoptions. And many of them, especially where there's an eventual exploitation of the children, that might be deemed child trafficking cases. So there's, uh, I think the problem in South Africa, a lot of our systems um, doesn't work properly. And it's open to abuse and exploitation Mm -hmm. and corruption. And you always have, uh, you know, a a criminal element that's got an eye for a loophole and a vulnerability which is exploited. Marcel van der Watt, it's been a wonderful discussion. Uh, it's good for our people to know this, lines. Oh, certainly. A lot of us kind of walk around with our heads in the in the sand, yeah. and we don't really realize what's going on out there. No, that's true yeah. indeed. And it has been reported that 30,000 children are, pros- uh, are prostituted through human trafficking annually in South Africa. Mm. That's 30,000 children. And they, they, well, then again, that's, those are the statistics that, that's highly, well, I'm even criticizing that. Mm. Uh, because, you know, once again, you've got a lot of these lies that's really perpetuated on social media. I've got one on my phone now. They, there was none such research done, you know, mm. confirming empirically that there's so much children. Mm. Um, so we also need to check, you know, also need to check the facts. Africa Check has done some great work in criticizing some of 
of the stat, so we need to apply a healthy dose of skepticism. But how can we, as parents, as brothers, as sisters, sort of like become aware of pattern of change in terms of behaviors mm. of the young ones so that they don't fall prey to this sort of uh, syndicates? Yeah. Great yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. How do we protect our kids? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I think at the, you know, I think the family unit is just so important. Mm. You know, there shouldn't be any no-go areas. Mm. You know, there, there shouldn't be a closed door where a parent is not allowed to go in. Um, you know, know who the friends are, know what are the WhatsApp groups are, what are the sites <laughs> that's being visited. You know, you often find uh, children being groomed online and eventually, um, you know, being trafficked or, or exploited. So I think it's 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 connecting with the kids, knowing what's going on, and having a relationship of trust, um, and a, and a network of trust around that around that that child. So yeah, um, absolutely. If you give your kid a lot of love and mm. know exactly what they're up to. Mm. Yeah. If you can. Yeah. yeah. And, and sadly, yeah. I mean, often yeah. I, you know, I often say that, uh, you know, I often criticize parents. I don't, oh, it's not, you know, it's not uh, deviant kids. It's often deviant parents, you mm. know? Sure. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Marcel, many thanks for this. Anything Great. before we let you go that we Great. Ask well, you? again, uh, uh, Cliff Central, thank you guys for ventilating and covering this issue. Mm. Um, complex, but so much it needs to be deconstructed. Absolutely. So uh, thank you guys. Many thanks to you, Lions. Before Great, we let you. you go, thanks very much. Until next Tuesday. Yes. Uh, cheers till then. Thank you. This is CliffCentral.com.